Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Well, how are you all doing this afternoon? Uh, we are uh, going to have a, a very interesting guest and uh, a significant success story that I think that all of our manufacturing uh, friends and uh, uh, guests that we've had in the past and the future might want to tune into what our guest has done. Um, I'm not going to introduce him yet because uh, we're going to first do a, a quick commercial break and I will be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Hi, this is Lou Weiss. Some of you know me as Lou Weiss with the yellow jacket, but today I'm president of All Metals and Forge Group. We are proud and pleased to be the sponsors for Manufacturing Talk Radio and for WAM, Women and Manufacturing, since 2013. AMFG is an open die forge facility and a producer of seamless rolled rings since 1972. Most of the metal families are available in our inventory for production to help keep down delivery times due to mill deliveries of raw stock. We also specialize in machined, large, and complex forged parts. So give us a look at steelforge.com, our website, or give us a call at 973-276-5000. Send us your inquiries, your drawings, and specifications. Our quoting turnaround time is usually less than 24 hours hours to help you get your job from your client. Give us a try. We're almost doing this 50 years of partnering with our clients. We'd like to partner with you as well. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're back, and I love doing my commercial. It's a lot of fun. Don't forget our phone number. Okay, so we have our guest today from... Pivot International, Mark Donalak. Uh, did I get that right, Mark? Uh, pretty close. It's a very difficult name, but I'm, it's a pleasure to be back with you. Well, how do I pronounce it? Uh, it's Donalak. Donalak? Yes. That sounds good. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark was here uh, about 14, 16 months ago talking about his company and his business model. And there have been some really major changes uh, in what he has been uh, doing, and we wanted to put him on a platform and show the rest of the world uh, what can be done when you have creativity and passion. Why don't you refresh our listeners uh, briefly as to what your company does, and then we'll get to what you're doing and successes that you've had. So sure. take it away, we're, we're, yeah, you bet. Thank you. And we're a, we're a product design and development and manufacturing firm. Uh, we're a service provider, so we we provide a service to our clients for product needs and engineering practices and manufacturing capabilities from from turnkey style from inception all the way to deliver to their customer. So if I were a manufacturer and I I had an idea. And uh, I don't have the equipment to manufacture or do a complete design on the products. Your company and your services uh, serve as almost a uh, in-house uh, 
service provider for manufacturers. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. So we're a full service provider of all engineering practices, software, mechanical, electrical, industrial design, uh, mm-hmm. provide that engineering um, solution for their needs, as well as a global footprint on manufacturing. So it gives us you know, global manufacturing options as well as U.S.-based manufacturing. Uh, this is uh, pretty interesting because when most manufacturers, uh, small, medium, or primarily small and medium, when they don't have the uh, appropriate uh, sources and or equipment to do certain types of jobs, they just wind up passing it off and saying, well, mm-hmm. we can't do that. Right. So you, you're there and say, well, wait a minute, don't say no quote. We could help. Right. Exactly, it's a, and that's that's what, what our kind of uh, re- reputation is. Is that we, our our product bandwidth is quite wide. Most firms that there aren't that many firms that do the full integrated model that we do, but those who do tend to stick to one core area, either a mechanical right. consumer goods or or medical or one particular type of uh, uh, technology. We we have a broad breadth of know-how and experience developing array of products from high-end, very scientific instrument-type products all the way to consumer goods. Not not even to mention that you're involved in many different industries, uh, from aerospace to defense to whatever else. Right. Would that be right. correct? That's correct. We're, we're so, in medical, aerospace, uh, biosecurity, uh, consumer mm-hmm. goods, uh, sports fitness, so wearable technologies. So we're in a lot of different things. So uh, I assume that you are familiar with uh, ISO uh, yes, standards. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We Let's yeah we're certified you. 9001 for 2016 globally. We're also a 13485, which is the medical ISO standard uh, of our manufacturing right. facilities in the Philippines. And we will we have a large scale manufacturing site in the Midwest of America that's going to be 13485 by the end of the year. Terrific. Let me ask you: the um, Are you familiar with uh, cybersecurity uh, technology? It's yeah. uh, it, it's a NASA specification. Um, it's called NIST one seventy one eight hundred. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, we're we're aware of it. We're not actively engaged in that segment, but the, the, the way we've gone about things like that of various standards in various industries is that mm-hmm. our framework is set up for to adopt to any standard we, we may not be working on today, but we mm-hmm. we have the cap- internal capabilities to quickly dial up into that standard uh, that fits that particular uh, niche uh, and, and, and address the problem and be compliant to the requirements. The uh, That law that was, it was passed about four years ago, and every year they said by December 31st, Unless you're NIST compliant, you will not be able to sell to the Department of Defense, NASA, mm-hmm. Department of Transportation, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems as though everybody's ignored it. And now this is the fourth year. And mm-hmm. my understanding is that this December 31st, you will not be able to uh, sell to the government unless you're mm-hmm. NIST compliant. So I think they're finally saying, this is it, fellas. Right, So right. I'm passing it on to uh, you as well as others sure. who are not aware of it because they're serious about it this time, mm-hmm. especially, 
especially since what's been going on, um, you know, on the other side of the pond. Yes, correct. And I suspect there's going to be further compliance requirements being upped over time on uh, other industries as well for that very oh, reason. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, absolutely. And so we're definitely mindful of what it's an ongoing development program mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. We don't do much business at all with directly with the government, but we do a lot within industries that do serve the government. So, so right. therefore, it's it's a big it's an important element that we we have to be mindful of for sure. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna roll backwards on you. Mm-hmm. They won't be able, mm-hmm. they won't be able to do business with people who aren't NIST. So uh, we actually we had a uh, company on who is a, uh, a cyber uh, specialist and uh-huh. does do uh, NIST uh, certifications and such. So if anybody's interested, just contact me at uh, la weiss at mfgtalkradio.com and I'll be happy to share the information with you. So. Uh, Mark, tell us uh, from 2012 you you got into this business and now you've got how many divisions? We have uh, we have let's see we have seven locations eight locations globally. Um, we have an office in London. We have an office in Shenzhen, China, outside Hong Kong, uh, Taipei, Manila, Philippines, and then we have four U.S.-based locations. In addition to that, we have a Glasgow, Scotland uh, engineering firm that we acquired that adds our footprint in Europe. So now we really have technical engineering scale in Europe to support that business as well and also support other projects globally because we we use our global design engineering team for all projects. So they're going to be a part of projects we're designing for this country. So, uh, But it, it, give, it gives us a a scale footprint for to support Europe in our in our growth strategies as mm-hmm. well as new technical know-how. They're very strong in optics, uh, very strong in camera and imaging systems. So it's, it was a good complement to, to the portfolio of talent we already had. Well, Mark, when your book comes out telling us the story of the last uh, six <laughs> years, I want to get my copy first, and then <laughs> well, we'll, thank we'll, you. Tout, <laughs> we'll tout it for you. So, I appreciate us, that uh, very much. It's been it's been fun. It's been an interesting ride for sure. <laughs> good, good. So tell us a little bit more about uh how you now that you are six years into this and you got uh eight divisions, how how do you centralize your operation? Or are all of these divisions uh totally separate and removed from one another? Well, you know, I always kind of look at acquisition strategy. There's two there's two categories. There's a, I like to coin the, the spreadsheet strategy, which is about cost reduction and synergies and all those things that we've all read about. And then there's what I call the bolon strategy, which is buy good companies that have a footprint in their market that have been successful, that complement our overall business um, program overall, and bring talent and new customer bases and new markets and new opportunities to the to the pivot international overall and use those talents. There's there's some rationalization you can do from a finance and and, and treasury management and other kinds of mm-hmm. things. But we don't work too hard at figuring out how many heads we can take out when we acquire a business, but rather look right. at it as a pro growth strategy. Where new markets these firms already had established. 
how can we with our our broader organization and our broader talent take advantage of new opportunities? That's how we look at it. Sure. I got you. So being that you have uh, locations uh, on a global basis, and uh, I, I wanted to bring up about the issue that we are having now about uh, tariffs in this country. Um, it's, <laughs> I start to stutter when I say those words, being yeah, the, the steel industry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, how does how this uh, affect you, or doesn't it, being that you have – manufacturing locations in some of the countries that are being plagued by the um, uh, by the tariffs? Well, my, my view of the whole tariff topic is it affects everybody. Whether you have one business in Columbus, Ohio, or you have 14 businesses all over the world, it affects everyone mm-hmm. in one form or another. It affects areas from the obviousness of who gets hit with the, with the tariff, but also it also is driving up core inflation because everyone's tucking more profit into those um, into those 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 tariff excuse based price indices, and second and thirdly, it's also affecting supply. I mean, in a big way. If you talk to anyone that's in business that's sourcing electronics and mechanical products and steel products, it's not just about how much you get hit on tariff. It's about other inflation, net tariff, and it's also about product availability and it's about lead time. So all those things together are all happening to everyone. Some people just may not realize it yet. So, um, so thank goodness we have a really strong global supply chain. It's, we've got boots on the ground all around the world, so it really helps us fight that. But every day, lead times move on. And this isn't just us. This is for everybody. If you really talk to but, people, they're going to tell you that. Well, it's true. And uh matter of fact, this week we did have the – uh, committee chair for the Institute of Supply Management uh, on on the air talking about the Rob Rob report, the report on mm-hmm. business, uh, which mm-hmm. just came out a, a day or so ago. And everybody's being affected. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody yep. is concerned. And the history of uh, tariffs in this country, the five tariffs were, that were uh, put into effect going back to uh, President Hoover, never worked. Right. And it never exactly. and it never will. Right, right. Well, the most classic one that everyone cites that has a knowledge of history is the Smoot-Hawley Act of 1930 or 31. So it's – Sure. And that was, that was the most classic of all of them um, because it, yeah. it finished the deal after the stock market crash of 29. It finished the deal is what it really did. History will show that. So, yeah, there's – it's never a good thing if it's about if it's about renegotiation. I think what's interesting about this topic, however, whether you're on the left or the right side of the aisle politically, um, everyone agrees that some of the trade deals need to be retraded from an American's perspective. But no one, right. most people don't agree with the method that we're going about. But most people Correct. on both sides politically have a general agreement that there needs to be there needed to be modifications to our current agreements. Well, that's that's true, but I wouldn't. I don't agree with uh, the methodology that's being no, used right now, which is really crippling everybody. Yep. I agree. With and you. and unfortunately, uh, you know, the uh, index has gone up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. There are now shortages. There's steel shortages developing. Uh, mm-hmm. We have spoken to 
companies here in the United States who have been raising their prices for the last seven months, upwards of 40 percent, and they deny that they do it. And, you know, we have we have proof positive. As a matter of fact, we attempted to speak to a um, a media person from one of the large mm-hmm. steel mills, and they mm-hmm. said, "Well, we haven't raised our prices," and that's that's <laughs> the company line. Right. So, right. Uh, right. but let's let's get back to your story because uh, I would think that uh, in terms of uh, tariffs and so on, if you're located, if you're doing manufacturing in China, uh, for example, for example. Uh, that you wouldn't have the problem with the tariff. Well, we're, we're not manufacturing in China. We're you know, we're sourcing electronic components globally, which also includes China. Ah, you know, okay. PCB circuit board type components, and then we manufacture okay. either in our Manila Philippines plants. We have two manufacturing facilities there, or in the United States, four plants that we have. So, either way, we're sourcing globally. And by the way, so are the U.S. distribution. I mean. These embedded electronics components, everyone, whether you're buying it from a distributor in the United States or you're buying it direct from Asia, they're all coming from the same place, fundamentally. Right. So, right, so right. the U.S. distribution people, the large players in that channel, are also sourcing from the same place. And so they're going to be, if that gets hit, they're going to get hit, and everyone's going to get hit. And that's just right. the way it is. Yeah. That's 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 for sure. So, tell us your plans. Uh, uh, we spoke 16 months ago, and uh, you're 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 booming. Uh, the economy has been good. Manufacturing's been good. You have a novel uh, business uh, uh, plan. What do you? What's coming down the road for you in the next three, four years? What's your? Well, we're continuing to continue push the route. You bet. We're, we, uh, our future looks really bright. The best it perhaps has ever looked in the company's history. Uh, we've got a great uh, footprint of products being rolled out by our clients, multiple new products, um, new market segments we've, we've been able to um, uh, get into successfully. Uh, we've, 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 we, we will continue to look at acquisition opportunities that fit the model that we're looking for. Might either be, might even be product companies, companies that make a product rather than just design, engineering, manufacturing firms like we've done in the past. Uh, right. So all those things are great avenues. It continues to broaden our footprint at our scale, and that adding scale provides us more um, ability to serve more and more customers. And, and you know, this space that we're in, it's 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 interesting because people don't realize how many companies need outsourcing capabilities. People just don't realize it because they see the company selling the product and they just presume that company is doing it all. And the reality is right, they right. need people because these the demands of engineering, which is a very expensive uh, profession, it comes in ebbs and flows, so it's project-based. So it makes really good business sense for a lot of people to use people like us so they don't have to own that overhead after that big project's completed. Sure. And I think uh, to your point about uh, uh, the, the point that you just made about that some manufacturing companies don't have the wherewithal to do it, and therefore they may not. The point is that I think that the technology today has caused what you're now talking about, that you have so many more uh, suppliers to supply smaller component parts for your uh, generally larger or complex uh, machine or mm-hmm. what have you. 
So right. it, it does it does so that uh, the technology. I mean, building Fords uh, way back right. in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. uh, and the parts would come in. They used to take the boxes that the goods would come into the assembly plant, and they used to use one side of the box as the floorboards for oh, the Ford. Is, is that right? So, <laughs> you remember? That? Wow. I don't know. I don't know if they in carpeting or what, but I'm sure it didn't <laughs> look all pretty. But it didn't cost them anything. No, that's, so, that's interesting. So, I never knew that. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those truisms that you learn as you get older. Uh, Mark, when you think it, about that too, you know those those in that era, you know they were buying all those all their components were just local in the area. I suspect that's you know, correct. It's really that's changed correct. a lot, hasn't? It? Yeah. Well, uh, they didn't have stagecoaches coming from China in those days. No, no, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. No doubt, the world has definitely changed. <laughs> it uh, certainly has, and it's not going to stop. Mark, what else you got for us uh, as, as we wind up this segment? Uh, any last points you'd like to uh, discuss with us? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you again. I, I think it's I think that the, the the core economy is in the best shape um, outside of the tariff discussion and tariff issue that we all are mindful of. Stripping that yeah. out, it, I believe we're in we're in the best heat up economy we've had since. 2006 or 7 without question and oh, by evidence it. of that yeah. you know by evidence of that that's those shortages I spoke of earlier are caused by yes the tariffs but also by the global heat up that's finally happening because we now we're mm-hmm. the US is passing the 1.8% GDP average growth now we're in the 3s and 4s that we're really seeing right. the evidence of that so the future looks bright providing we can sort out this madness that's going on with the uh, tariff stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to all get together on that one and see what we can do. Mark, it was a, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, and do tell us as things progress how your company is going. We'd like to talk to you further. And uh, I just want to tell everyone that uh, tune in for our program, Manufacturing Talk Radio, every Tuesday at 1 p.m., and on Wednesday, we have Women and Manufacturing, and uh, that's on Wednesday at 1 p.m. And uh, I think you'll learn a lot about the women in our society today, that they are really in the year of the woman. And uh, I think, matter of fact, there's 585 women that are running for office come this November, and that's a, a record by far. So uh, we have accomplished women interviewing accomplished women and uh, the very interesting stories. So tune in for that Wednesday show. And Mark, again, I appreciate your being on the air with us, and uh, we'll be talking to you again. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure being on again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.